Hi, Metal fans. I'm Rafael Bittencourt from Angra, and you're watching CMS TV. Keep on. All right, what's the next story? Okay, this is a this is a rumor, and I'm I'm stressing this now for the faggots that are listening on YouTube that are going to say, "Why do you guys keep spreading rumors? You're not backing up your facts." This is not necessarily factual. We have no no knowledge of this. Other than we got an email, which I'm about to read. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news coming at you. So I got an email from Rock Ox Von Scumbag. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's it's got some um some interesting news on it, and I'll, I'm curious what you um what you think here. It says, "Hey Chris, not sure if you want to give this clown any more publicity." but kind of feel like I should share. Broke-ass Brian, Samara from the old Breakdown Room forum, posted this on the Dream Theater forums yesterday, a couple hours after Dream after Queensryche posted info about their Pledge Music campaign for the new record. Okay. Quote, I got the scoop on an interesting bit of information. This obviously shouldn't be taken as gospel, because I can't say who told me. But according to someone I know with ties to the band, Scott Rockenfeld is back working with Jeff Tate. That's hard to believe. I don't know. That's interesting. I know that we'll talk about it here in a second. I doubt even the guys in Queensryche even know it yet. Oh, stop it. If you know it, why wouldn't they know it? Because he got it from a deep source. Oh, I'm sure. A very deep source. Initials SR, I'm thinking. Or GT. <laughs> Since I can't reveal where the info came from, I realize most will take it as pure speculation, as you absolutely should. Right. But I firmly believe it, and I figured that it was going to happen after Scott's extended parental leave now now why did he figure it would happen because he's in the know I, dude. I, I, well i see that kind of that kind of a comment mm -hmm. i mean i've never taken leave from work or anything but but why would anyone speculate that scott from what i understand mm -hmm. and i don't have first-hand sources here mm -hmm. but uh scott uh has gone through a kind of a messy divorce yeah and he's, uh, you know, working through some child custody issues. Yeah, I, I, again, I, that's more than I knew. That's what I've been. That's what I've been hearing. I don't know that to be fact, but that's what I've been hearing, which is why. Is that from a source that you're not going to reveal, Neely? Yeah. <laughs> so he's taken time away from the band to get his personal problems straightened out. Mm -hmm. So why would that lead to speculating that he's going to work with Jeff Tate? Because somebody on the inside, way inside, told him this. Okay. Maybe Susan Tate? Well, what's really weird, <laughs> what's really strange, though, is uh, when when the big breakup or the bad fallout happened in South America, wasn't he spitting at 
<laughs> yeah, that that was the thing. Was the the whole spitting and the knife thing? I thought was with him. It was. <laughs> yeah, he forgave him. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, let me finish reading this thing. Okay. Combined, combine that with Scott likely not doing drums on the Queensryche album. I think Todd has said enough that we know Scott didn't. This would set up a really interesting turn of events. It would? Really interesting. Why? Aren't you really interested? Mm, not really. <laughs> I mean, if, if if Scott Rockenfeld stepped away from Queensryche and did not record one of their most recent albums, mm -hmm. would you go, that's not Scott's drumming? No, no, no. I mean, they've been playing shows with the, whoever the whoever's the drummer. Wes just saw him, said they were great. Yeah, Scott wasn't there. You know, and they had whoever was whoever the drummer was. Yeah, I don't know who it is. But. He's the uh, he's who who's he with? He's with um, I'm trying to think who he normally plays with. I don't even know who it is. I'm I'm like out of the loop. Who is the current drummer for Queensrÿche? I don't I don't know. It says Scott Rockenfeld, but Camelot. Yeah, Camelot drummer. Casey Grillo is the current drummer for Queensryche. That's who it is. Okay. So there you go. But I thought you would I thought you would enjoy that news that Broke Ass Brian is still making news. Hmm. Just now not in the breakdown room form, right. but on dream theater forums. <laughs> okay. And we got it here. <laughs> we got it here second. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Again, why does it matter? I don't know. Because it's something to complain about, I guess. I guess. Mm. But again, it's all speculation, too. Yeah, I mean, and if it turns out to nothing, so what? You know, that's why I said going up front, I have not heard it. I don't know it to be true. I have not heard it. I don't know anybody in the Queensryche camp, really. You know, I, I don't think I do know anybody in the Queensryche camp anymore. Look at Wolf Blitzer. He's got it. Let's see. Look, there it is. Maybe we should start watching CNN again. We could keep up on this news. Yeah, that old that old fuck seems to have the uh, his finger on the pulse of uh, what's all going on in the music world. Yeah, that's right. Phil <laughs> Ooze. <laughs> that's pretty good. Boy, people are really good with their photoshops. Getting better. That is that is good. He looks like he's actually gripping that thing. It does. That's pretty amazing. Wow. That's funny. All right. All right, next up on the docket. Yes. Or the docking. On the docket. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. There's been a promo video released this week for the upcoming DVD of Docking Live in Japan. Mm -hmm. The Return to the East. Yeah. And uh, we're going to, you know, people have obviously seen it. Sure. And uh, have their thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. So let's let us give our thoughts about it. Oh. 
Hey, it's been five minutes, and it's time now for Neely to talk docking on the Classic Metal Show. All right. Well, Frontiers, who's releasing this uh, DVD set and along with the new song and all that, uh, they've released the quote-unquote the official live video from the forthcoming uh, release, which is due out, I believe it's uh, April 22nd. Okay. And uh, so they released a uh, a uh, snippet here of Doc and doing In My Dreams, mm-hmm. this featuring the most popular lineup of Doc and from the 80s. Yeah. And uh, as with any live uh, recording, unless you're Van Halen, <laughs> um, they do overdubs. Yeah. And I don't know how this will translate. I mean, I'm going to play a little bit of the audio here from YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. But but you can tell that there are some vocal overdubs here because it doesn't match the video. Yeah, not at all. There's some, there's some lag or, or, uh, you know, miscues or what, however you want to say it, but. Uh, it's, it's different inflections from live to studio. Yeah, it's it's definitely there's some definite overdubs there. Sure, you know, and the thing is, is that we've had Don on the show here uh, many times over the years, and uh, even the even the live CD that people love so much, the uh, Beast from the East. Yeah, uh, all of George's guitars, according to Don, were overdubbed mm-hmm. for the entire CD. Sure. But nobody complained about that because we weren't so, uh, we didn't have the internet back then to where everybody could give their opinion. Yeah. Well, dude, every, every major live record in history has been over. I mean, the most legendary I would imagine is Kiss Alive. True. Kiss Alive 2. Exactly. That's a fucking studio record. Or, or GNR, um, uh, lies. GNR lies. Yeah. That, I actually have the, uh, studio record without the crowd noise. Yeah, and it's exactly the same. They did it in the studio. They did, and then they put crowd noise behind it. Yeah, and called it a live record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was it? Live Like a Suicide? Was that the original yeah, title? Yeah, that's what it was called originally, but then they just threw it on um, Lies. Exactly. It's like half of Lies. So that was a complete studio performance with uh, crowd noise put in behind. Right. So, you know, they all, all bands do it. But yeah. the 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 big tell on this video, though, for from the from the YouTube video, is that the uh, the uh, vocal does not sync up with the action, and, right? And and that's what makes it the most obvious. Mm-hmm. So let's play a little bit of this audio here. Okay. And uh, you know, for for the band that's you know in their mid sixties and didn't literally has not played together. Uh, as a as a solid unit for close to 20 years and you know this all came together in a matter of under two weeks right uh it's it's okay it's not great but it's okay yeah in my dreams it's still the same your love is strong it still remains
how much mm-hmm. how much of that do you think was overdubbed? Do you think all the vocals were overdubbed, or do you think Don's vocal was only overdubbed, or do you think both uh, since Don and Jeff and and uh, Mick harmonized together, do you think that they did that together in a studio situation? Um. Well, I know all of Don's has to be overdubbed because Don does not sound. I've heard him sing that song multiple times, and he doesn't sing in that in that register. Mm-hmm. So I know his vocals are overdubbed. Yeah, well, I mean, if you compare the video, yeah, to the audio, uh, it, it's clear that uh, it doesn't exactly match perfectly. Yeah, um, I would imagine Don's are completely Pilsons are Pilson and and um, Mix are probably touched touched up a little bit but mm-hmm. probably not too much because mick mick sounds really good and so does jeff usually yeah well jeff you know the the one thing about docking and when you listen to that audio the mm-hmm. one thing that that made docking stand out aside from obviously the guitar hero of george lynch mm-hmm. is that harmony vocal that that perfect blend between don jeff and mick yeah, that's that's what's missing from the current lineup of Dokken mm-hmm. is just that that harmony that can't be uh, replaced. Kind of like you know, and we've had this before. What Michael Anthony brings to the Van Halen table, or what uh, Juan Crucier brings to Rat. Right. Sure. Because that fellows, <laughs> 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 <Phil is> Jesus. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's 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 what uh you know what a key member what they lose when they when they lose a key member. Right. Now getting back to Queensryche, which we were just talking about, mm-hmm. I mean, not that not that Scott Rockenfeld doesn't have an important part in that band, but is it going to cripple the band or or uh change the whole dynamic no i didn't think so not at all yeah i don't know i my take on this docket thing is pretty simple the more i've listened to it i like the studio song Mm -hmm. and i have no real need or interest to hear or see the shows from japan overdubbed or not because it sounds exactly like what I said the minute it was announced that they're not going to have the magic, and it sounds just like that. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they got the classic guys together, but there's none of the classic energy that made Dokken yeah so good in the mid '80s. Sure, and and we are talking 30 years later. Yeah, and it's just clear that they're you know they're in a room together. Yeah, they're performing together, but it isn't. <laughs> it, it, it is it it just lacks the the fire and the energy that. Uh, you know, we've known Dokken for 30 years ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I would bet if they played 50 shows that it would probably be better. And they were getting along and everything was harmonious within the band. Yeah, well, even if they weren't, even if they were separate bussing it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Motley Crue stuff, for better or for worse, the Motley tours, other than than Vince on most nights, when Vince decided to sing... Those shows sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, not horrible. They were not terrible. The only thing that ever made them terrible was Vince singing every third word. Sure. But, you know, and they didn't get along. 
but they toured enough to where they had the energy toward those songs and toward what they had to do on the stage. Right. Listening to, to that, even with it overdubbed or whatever, it is what it is. It's four guys that are not in the same band getting together after, what, 25 years apart. It's been 25, right? 25 no, years since George, they were last George, in the studio? George left the band in 97. So 97, so 20, 20 years. Yeah. So it sounds it. It sounds like four guys that are in different bands that got together to do something that they last did 20 years ago and last did at, at a successful level 30 years ago. Correct. So, yeah, of course it's going to sound like that. Yep. You know, you get, you get what it is. That's why I'm not a big fan of these fucking reunions because it's not, it's not a, a true, a true thing. That's, that's quite honestly, that's what makes the guns and roses thing. So amazing is that they got back together and acted like they didn't miss a step. Yeah. Well, see here, here's the thing when it comes to the reunion, mm -hmm. it's less about being able to put it down on recording or video and more about actually attending the thing. Yeah. That's where, that's the difference. I mean, I don't think that Guns N' Roses is going to release a live record from this last go-round. Do you? Mm, a live, I don't, if they were going to, you would think it'd be out there already. A that's kind of where I'm going with that. So it's yeah. not really about reuniting to release a live performance product. Yeah. It's for the experience of going, I'm, I'm going to go see Guns N' Roses. Right. I'm going to go see the original lineup of Dokken. Mm -hmm. But to put it out in a product, eh, it doesn't translate the same. Yeah. Because, I, I because mean, you're, number one, you're too up close and personal. Mm -hmm. And number two, you don't get that whole live experience. You get a, you get a, up close and personal like you're standing on the stage you know due to the camera angles right but if you're part of the crowd that's really excited to see one of your favorite bands back together as the original lineup that's mm -hmm. where the excitement is yeah and and in the case of doc and specifically they have better reunion live stuff that's out there mm -hmm. the acoustic thing is better I, I, I haven't seen the whole thing obviously so i, I guess i can't make that assessment yet but I will argue without even hearing it that the acoustic, whatever that was called, is going to sound better than the new live reunion. Yeah, record. it was it was called One Night Live. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That sounds that sounds excellent. Mm -hmm. But but you then know. again, that happened in 94. So we're we're already looking 24 years later. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, it just. Again, I. The more I've listened to the new song, the more I like it. But um, that's all I need. I I really don't have a whole lot of interest in this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if it if it gets Don some cash or whatever, I'm happy for him. You know, Don, Mick, you know, the other, Jeff, even George. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy if that if it does something for them. I can't imagine it's going to sell real well, though. Can you? I, just the, I, I think the really hardcores will get it. Uh, obviously, they're huge in Japan, which is why the, you know, f six of the the reunion shows or five of the reunion shows were uh, limited to Japan. Right. I mean, granted, I got to see the 
show that they did. They did a warm up show on on uh, a Friday, mm-hmm. and then or was it Saturday? I can't remember. I think it was Saturday. It was fr- they did a warm up show on Friday after rehearsing for basically three days, right? And then they did the actual full concert on Saturday, right? And by that time, uh, they were all worn out. Yeah, because they were getting up they were doing radio doing tv doing press you know mm-hmm. doing all this stuff rehearsing and then by friday and then saturday show they were all pretty much beat up they were like fuck this <laughs> yeah i mean it's not that the show was bad it was just like you know being with them backstage they were all just sort of like let's do this let's get it done yeah <laughs> that was what the attitude was. Let's get it done. Not that. Oh yeah, let's do it. But I will. I will tell you that the warm-up show, which they only did five songs, I think, mm-hmm. actually sounded better than the uh, actual full live show the the night after. Sure, I believe it. It'll probably sound better than what you're going to get on the DVD. Mm-hmm. But- I'd imagine you're going to get the DVD. Are, are you going to watch it? I'll watch it probably once. Yeah, and then put it away. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll just go with the collection. Right. But, you know, am, am I clamoring for this thing? No. I'm I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to do a Pee-wee Herman from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I don't need to watch it. I was there. <laughs> I lived it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, I I'm glad that they they're doing that. I know the hardcores will buy it. You know, just for nostalgia purposes. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I think that the quality, the audio, or not the audio, but rather the video quality, at least from the YouTube video, mm-hmm. looks really good. Yeah. You know, it's all modern technology, but uh, this is just, you know. How did the video work? I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm sure it, I'm sure it had to do, I'm sure it was a probably a Japanese firm. Because... Mm, Whoever did that should be hung. I mean, the the overdubs are so glaring. How about if you just don't show long enough clips to show that? Oh, you mean who did the editing? You mean yeah, uh, the Jeff and Jeff did. Well, Jeff should be hung. Uh, well, I think one. I think Jeff and uh, Chris McCarvel was well, the working two on them, it. The two of them dropped the ball. You know, I mean. Everywhere that I looked with the comments was everybody making the comments about how how grossly how grossly obvious it was that the vocals were overdubbed because they didn't match Don's mouth. Mm-hmm. So why would you use those those segments? You know, you could you could tie in one or two words and then show like George thrashing away or something mm-hmm. instead of showing in the video where the where the 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 vocal doesn't sync right and i know that creates a shit ton probably more work to do but so what it's a professional video yeah it is you know that's that's how it's supposed to be yeah and it and it and it doesn't sync in all the places which which that's that's kind of not cool yeah but hey whatever not my video mm-hmm. glad i didn't have that task of taking audio that wasn't from it and trying to make it look like it did like it was from it Friends or not friends, that's got to be a hard job. It is. Tough, tough job. Yeah, I wouldn't want it. But, uh, you know, from from what I saw, you know, on, on this, at least this one in my dreams video, I mean, you know, it's, 
it, for for fans of the band, it, it, they'll just accept it and go. You know what? It, it, it was cool. Yeah. And you know, I don't think it'll go. Man, that needs to go through the charts if there is, is such a thing anymore. Here's my marketing question for you, and I I don't know the answer to this at all. It's something I'm definitely going to ask Don the next time we have him on because I'd imagine we'll have him on either when this releases or right before. Mm-hmm. I gotta know why they even bothered putting a live video out there. Well, I think it, that I think that was uh, I don't think that was really a band decision. That was more or less uh, a Frontiers thing. It could do nothing but hurt them. Mm-hmm. There was no way it could enhance the sale versus doing the the actual video. Mm-hmm. And I know what's going to happen. They're going to wait. When is this thing out? April? April 22nd, I think, is the release date. So probably April 1st, we'll get the actual video. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably what we're, what we're looking at is right around April 1st, we'll get the, the new song video to get enough hype to sell it. Right. But putting out the putting out any kind of live coverage where it's not mint makes no sense mm-hmm. it's the reason van halen i don't think they released any videos for that awful live record they did, did i don't they? think i don't think they did yeah because they knew it was shit and they knew that it would hurt sales you know that's that's sometimes whether it's the band or whether it's the the label or whatever sometimes you got to look at the product and say yeah that's not going to help anything let people hear the new song and say, "Hey, I like that. I'll buy it." And they leave it there. It doesn't why do why do these acts feel like they need to have four fucking videos before they release something? That doesn't make any sense. They give away half the record. I know nobody's buying the shit anyway, but man, give yourself some semblance of a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to happen now? Is Dokken going to release another live video this month that people will pick apart again? Well, again, it's not the band releasing it. Okay. Well, is is Frontiers going to do that? I don't know. I mean, if you had to guess, I mean, they released this the end of February. So, would you think they'll release something the end of March? And well, then the, I would think the, that I would think that the new music video would be released. I would think that they'll release another live video in March, and then beginning of February or beginning of April. To get the most impact, they would release, they would release the new song mm-hmm. to get people to forget. Apparently, it's going to be to get people to forget about the live videos. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think that it's, I don't think it's the best marketing strategy at all with this. Right. And again, that's been a that's been a staple of Dockinism over the years. They've always had problems with marketers. Yeah. Well, Most market shit out of them. Yeah. Well, if you if you read down, scroll down through any of the comments on that video, mm-hmm. it's it's about you know it's about I would say sixty forty, yeah. where we're you know you get the people awesome video love this others like oh my god this lot too so many obvious overdubs right you know love it George is the man love these guys perfect then the other ones are like oh dear. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's 50-50, maybe a little more in, in favor of the release of the video. So, you know, you're going to have your hardcore fan base that are going to yeah. spend the money to get this thing. How many do you think they sell? 10000 mm. DVD package? Yeah. Uh, boy. 
They're going to sell a good amount in Japan. Yeah, of course. I, I would think I would think 10,000. I, I would say that's a fair number. Yeah. Maybe 20. 20,000? 20, yeah, wow. uh, worldwide. That. <sighs> Considering that every video will be on... <laughs> on YouTube. Well, it is. And and the thing is is that a, a good majority of the of the Japan shows yeah. are already on YouTube. That's true too. That doesn't help them much. No. Cuz those have been out there almost 2 years already. Mhm. So Yeah. I I mean, I know you'll we'll get it probably for free, but will you buy it if we don't? Just to have it for the collection. You would buy it. Yeah, just, just because I'm a purist when it comes to that. Okay. I just, number one, you know, obviously I was there. And number right. two, I just, you know, I have the whole collection. What about if I, what about if I sell it to you, but for an extra $75, I can get you a call from one of the members. <laughs> I can make that call for free. <laughs> oh, $75. <laughs> you have to pay $75 for that call. No. <laughs> all right well there it is well let's, let's play just play a little bit more of the song here okay I know George is the original, but I still think John Levin plays that better live. Yeah, I, I don't know. Nothing about that's grabbing me. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it feels like it's being towed by a slow-moving donkey. Yeah, just fucking slow and downtuned, and it's like crowbar covering docking. Right. So, slow and fat. Slow and fat. Right. It's, it's, I, I I don't hate it. You know, I keep saying. I keep having to justify that I don't hate it with people. I don't hate it, but it's just... I have Beast from the East. Why would I ever listen to this? Yeah. You know, I have that, that the bootleg concert from that Philly show from whatever year that was. Yeah, that we, was uh, Nagoya or something. Yeah, 88. Yeah. Why would I ever go to this record? I would never listen to this. I would go to 
you know, other stuff. I would go to just about any other stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's do one more comparison as far as a live release goes. Okay. Uh, I can't believe it already, but it's been 11 years since uh, the Zeppelin reunion at mm-hmm. the O2 Arena, which they released as a DVD CD set for Celebration yeah. Day. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was a one-off deal. Sure. So it sort of makes sense to release that as a as a uh, video, I guess, for those around the world who could not be there. And Zeppelin okay. being one of the biggest all-time bands ever. Mm-hmm. And the chances of seeing them do this again probably isn't going to happen. Sure. So what are your thoughts on that audio? Because obviously Robert Plant can't sing like he did in 1973. Yeah. So were you pleased with that or were were you disappointed with it? Or did you think that uh, they could have done a better job or did you just accept it for what it was? No, I listened to it once and it's in the collection somewhere. I'll never listen to it again. Okay. It it, it has no value to me. I mean, it, it, I'm, you know what I'm happy about from hearing it? That I didn't spend a thousand dollars a ticket to go. That's what I'm happy about with it. I don't think it sucks. It doesn't suck. I mean, it's okay, but it is what it is. It's, it's a broken down version of a once great band. Mm-hmm. That's what all of these things are. They're broken down versions of once great bands. And no, I, I mean, come on, dude. I, when, when I go to listen to some live Led Zeppelin, I'm going to the Destroyer bootleg, or I'm going to How the West Was Won. Okay, how about for the? I don't know if you're you like the live concert video thing at all, or if that has no value for you. But personally, and I, I'll be honest with you, I every every now and again I like to throw that up on the on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, and watch it, you know, not often, but every now and again, I go, yeah, kind of in the mood for some Zeppelin, and it was, it's kind of fun to watch it for me. I don't know why, I, I just kind of like, that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, I, see, I like to hear them when they sound great, and I like to watch them when they're in their prime. I don't want to see a bunch of seventy-year-old Led Zeppelin <laughs> guys on fucking stage with the son of their drummer, right? You know, I mean, honestly, you can go to YouTube. There's 500 concerts of Led Zeppelin that are studio quality shots right on YouTube that that are far superior you know from the from the early 70s 74 75 76 that era of Led Zeppelin that are just amazing to watch mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll stick to that I I don't like I said I, I listened to it all the way through the day it came out and I was like, okay, not terrible. They downtuned again. I don't like the whole downtune for mm-hmm. any band. I right. hate when they do that because to me it sounds like flawed recording. And I get why. I you know I, I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to say that 70 year old Robert Plant should sound like 20 year old Robert Plant. And I'm not trying to say that 60 year old Don Dokken should sound like 20 year old Don Dokken. They shouldn't. Right. You know, God. The truth is, is that guys like Dio are amazing were amazing that they were able to sound the same way that they did when they were 20 when they were 70 that's an amazing amazing accomplishment but those guys are few and far between they are absolutely and for me I you know that's that's like even now I mean if Led Zeppelin was to 
now that I've seen Celebration Day, and now that that's been 11 years gone, if they announced a show, I don't think I'd go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly don't. If, if Led Zeppelin announced, let's say they announced three shows. Yeah, to celebrate their 50th anniversary. 50th or anniversary. Like one in New York, one in L.A., one in Chicago. The tickets would be, what, 500 apiece for the shit seats and 2,000 apiece for the really good ones? Easily. I wouldn't pay that. Not for this version of Led Zeppelin. A bunch of guys that don't really hang out or there's no vibe between them. They're just getting together to make a cash grab. No, I wouldn't pay for it. Would you? Well, according to Jackal, he said in a heartbeat, I'm there. Ugh, not me. Not me, but yet Jackal wasn't at the the Led Zeppelin experience. (laughs) That was only 75 bucks. Yeah. And you can see Jason Bonham and a bunch of guys that sound better than the current guys or than the original guys. Well, well speaking of that, uh did you hear that the uh the Zeppelin uh entity or enterprises or you know whoever runs who who's ever in charge of the Led Zeppelin uh uh we want to call it the uh, the the business, the business of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. They asked uh Jason to uh change the name of his of his project, yeah. Yeah. It's now the Jason Bonham evening. Yeah. Instead of experience. Yeah. No experience. Yeah, because Jason didn't want to change the the, the logo. <laughs> he didn't want to make up a new logo. Yeah. So he found a new E word. <laughs> yeah, I did see that, and I wonder if that means I wonder if that means that they're gonna do a show or something. I don't but. know, but I just thought that was weird that they would basically ask him to change that. Well, if they're if they're planning to do, if they're planning to do the Led Zeppelin experience, mm-hmm. you know, him make they've let him make a few million dollars playing playing their shit and doing all of you know using all of their imagery. I would think Jason is more than happy to oblige them. Right. The last thing Jason Bonham needs is for them to say, "Yeah, you can't say Led Zeppelin anymore." <laughs> that probably wouldn't be good business for Jason. No, not at all. Jason could change it to any other name and still make his money. So. Sure. So, so getting back to to that, do you think it was a mistake that that they uh, released a video of that O2 Arena show or or not? You know, I I don't know. I I mean, they're a different entity slightly than than the others that we're talking about. They're so big, and that was such a big deal because they're so. I mean, they're one of the, they're like either one or two of the biggest bands ever. That's true. That's true. So for them not to do any, any performances at all for what, 30 years and then to do one, I think you have to release that. Okay. That's kind of where I I think that that, that's the only reason they did it. I don't think they did it because they wanted to. I think they did it because, you know, they kind of have to, you know, I mean, they're, there's who's bigger in history who's bigger than than led zeppelin well uh elvis man i don't even think elvis i don't think elvis is either i i can't think of anybody that's bigger than led zeppelin ever beatles that's are bigger yeah probably but that's about it i mean certainly not the stones certainly not the who certainly not you two 
Springsteen. No. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of anybody that's even in that world. Mm-hmm. So I think they had to really. But that being said, let's let's take the Rolling Stones as another example. They they tour about what? Once a once a decade? No, they, they, they they've I think they do it like every four years or five years. Yeah. So because of that, it has no value. Nobody would buy. Would you buy a DVD of the Rolling Stones right now? No, of course not. Of course not. Why? Because they're, they're out there doing it and no one wants to see an old ass version of the Rolling Stones because other than seeing it live, it's not worth doing. Zeppelin, because they've done it once in their history. Yeah, you had to do it. If Zeppelin did it again, I don't think I would need a DVD of it. I already have one of them playing all down-tuned and old. <laughs> you know, I don't need one, too. Well, how, how much further would they have to down-tune this time? Right. I'll pass. You would you would buy it in a minute, though, wouldn't you? you would I, want I, it. I don't know. Not, not Now that I have Celebration Day, I don't think I would need another one. You don't think so? Nah. Yeah, I, I just there's so we we as music fans try so hard to protect our our favorite bands or most people do. I know I don't, but most people try so damn hard to pr- protect what they consider to be their sacred band because it has a lot to do with you know memories and whatever that they that that you attach individually to that music, right? And because of that, it's almost criminal when you see your band start to suck. Mm-hmm. And most people don't want to admit when, when their favorite band starts to suck, most people do not want to admit that. No matter who your favorite band is, whether it's Dokken or Rat or, you know, Led Zeppelin or whoever, you know, it's painful. It's painful for, any, for anybody to say, man... I saw Metallica 40 times, and what they do now stinks by comparison. Mm-hmm. And most people can't do it. Most people are like, oh, you got to give them a chance, man. You know, they haven't changed that much, or they don't sound that bad, or whatever. But it's the truth. It's painful for most people to say, this band that gave me so many memories now stinks. But that's that's kind of what you get when these guys all hang on for too long. Yeah, well, that's you know that's why they call it the nostalgia tour because people aren't going there because they think the music is fresh and vibrant and all this. So they do they just go there to relive some memories? Yeah. Regardless if it's good or not good, it's just like eh, you know, I I, I know the song. It's not what it was in 1988 or whatever, but I know mm-hmm. the song. I know the players. I'm I'm familiar with it. It's familiar territory, mm-hmm. and I'll still go. And hence the reason why you see so many cover bands doing so well these days, because they do it better than the old original guys that can't do it anymore. And by and large, the most most music fans don't know the original guys. You know, they might know Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, but I'll bet you, other than hardcore Led Zeppelin fans. I'll bet you the average guys that just kind of hear it on classic rock radio, they can't pull John Paul Jones if you ask them. Uh-uh. If you asked them to name four, all four guys from Zeppelin, they would get two. Most would get two, a few would get three, and even less would get, you know, uh, John Paul Jones. Don't you think? I would. I would agree. 
and even even those people that that say that they're big 80s 80s hair metal fans or 80s metal fans how many of them do you think could name all four guys in docking not i i would say probably only 20 percent. yeah that's the point but they'll go see a docking tribute band because they'll sound better because there's a bunch of 20 year olds playing docking tunes or they or they just know the song yeah yeah, I, I would think that that's the way it is. Now, the hardcore fans, on the other, on the other hand, you know, they're, the hardcore fans are, are jackal-worthy that are like, fucking A, I can't see UFO if Pete Way's not there, man. That bass line makes all the difference. Without Michael Shanker, it's shit. You know, there's those guys. But you know what? Every time I go see UFO, I don't really notice the difference. Because I'm not that hardcore of a fan. Yeah, you don't know the individuals or the personalities or anything. Yeah, Doctor Doctor sounds the same to me, no matter who's who's playing it. Right. I never really, I never really pulled that song out and was like, "Holy fuck, that bass line isn't correct." They're missing the swing on those drums. Yeah. <laughs> I've never ever thought that once in my life. Well, so, hence again the argument about, uh, you know, Scott Rockenfeld. Yeah. People are going to say, man, they're just missing something on the drums. Yeah. Those fills just aren't the same. Yeah. <laughs> Says nobody except the most hardcore guys. Those are the only ones that'll say that. You know. So I, I guess it is what it is. It, music is a passion thing. So there's no right answer. You know, it's it's not like we can come up with a definitive right answer. You know, I would imagine for you because you're a little more passionate about your music than i am for me it's all just fucking background <laughs> but but for you 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 have been like Dokken is your passion band right Dokken is your they can do something that's shit and you'll find something that you like in it because that's your passion band right and that's fine you know but i but i think you would you would change from band to band depending on your on your your love of the band like like i know you're not a you're not a huge you like them but you're not a huge fan of volbeat is that fair yeah i i i like the music of volbeat i'm not i'm not a hardcore i know you really like yeah, them like, you know i don't know if you like them as much as you did say yeah, 10 10 years ago yeah i still love them but but that being said for you it made no difference at all that they changed guitar players. Uh-uh. Probably didn't even know. I didn't know. Yeah, you you weren't hardcore enough that you were like, let me go to Wikipedia and see who played on this. Make sure it's a real Volbeat record. <laughs> you know. Oh, it doesn't have that guy. It has that guy from Anthrax in there. I'm not listening to this shit anymore. Right. You know, no. And that's the point. I think from band to band, for, for most people, they have their passion band, and it matters to them. And then you have your other bands, and it doesn't matter at all. You know, I mean, you're passionate about Dokken, so Dokken is one of those that it, that it matters to you, that you, that you'll support more than anything. Like you like uh, Rat, you're a big Rat guy. Yeah, I do love Rat, which is why we covered Rat for fucking two solid years. Yeah, pretty close. You know, because we were because that was a passion band for you, and we knew some of the guys, and 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 that that's that's fine. But we didn't go out of our way to talk about like UFO. 
when UFO announces records or whatever, we we don't go on to this whole fucking rant about well, it's, it hasn't been the same since Vinnie Moore's been on guitar, you know. Because neither one of us is such a UFO fan that we give a shit. Well, same way with Deep Purple, you know, Richie Richie uh, Blackmore isn't in that band, so they suck now. Yeah, to some people, but there's a lot of people that believe that. There's a lot of people that will tell you that the day Richie Blackmore left is the day that that band ended. And me, couldn't care less. Couldn't, didn't like them with them, don't like them without them. You know, they're, they're, but again, that, that's everybody has their passion point. Mm-hmm. The, the thing with Judas Priest going right now, people are all up in arms because there's no guitar players. And, I, and I'm, I'm one of them that said they're one of my favorite bands. And I, I, I have no interest in seeing them without KK and, and Glenn. No, I just don't have an interest in that. That's not Judas Priest. But again, that's that's one of my top three favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. So you know, everybody has their bands that are that are like that for them, I guess. Well, one of one of my favorite bands, you know, one of my favorite classic rock bands is Chicago. Mm-hmm. But uh, they've splintered so much with with the revolving door of members now. Even though mm-hmm. I've seen them fifty times and they always put on a great show, I. I it, it was like a yearly thing that I would go see them. Yeah, and I and I have not seen them in over five years. I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised that you wouldn't go see them no matter what. Well, Jason Chef left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tristan Bowden, who's been with them, their drummer, has been with them since 1990. He's gone. Right. The guy that they brought in to replace Jason Chef, he's already gone. Okay. They brought in two other guys because the the new singer, he mm-hmm. was in some Chicago tribute band uh in from Canada. Okay. But he can't play bass. Jason Sheff and Peter Cetera uh who Jason Sheff replaced Peter Cetera, they both played bass and sang. Right. But, but this new singer, he doesn't play bass, so they had to bring in another bassist. So they had to bring in two guys to replace one guy. <laughs> Right. You know, so it's just been this revolving door and it's just like, eh, it's kind of lost its appeal for me. Wouldn't you think at this point that Satara would come back since all the guys that he probably hated are gone? Well, I, I don't think it was so much about a hate thing because he refused to, to go to the uh, Rock Hall induction. Yeah, because he didn't like somebody. No, it wasn't a matter of not liking somebody. It's just that it's just that they couldn't agree on what song that they were going to do. Right. And uh, he wanted to do one song with some arrangement. The other guys didn't want to, and they couldn't come to an agreement. He says, fuck it. I'm not going to come then. Right. But but again, it's that whole prima donna attitude. It's my way or the highway, pal. If you guys don't play the song that I want to play and play it the way that I want you to play, then I'm not coming. Yeah, the audience needs to hear Stay the Night when I was in the front of the band. Right. (laughs) Yuck fucking horrible album you know but but you know it just came down to you know who who had the bigger dick you know well i'm the guy that everybody wants to see reunite with you guys and if you guys can't do the things that i want to do and do it the way that i want then i'm not going to come well at work for axel rose axel rose did it that way and he got those other two guys to jump on board and learn the fucking songs from chinese democracy right (laughs) That is such a sellout that nobody calls out at all. Nope. That Slash is out there playing fucking Riyadh and the Bedouins and shit like that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, but you know what? You go through a divorce, you gotta you gotta replenish the funds. Exactly. He certainly did. They made a shit ton of money. They have. Good on them. So, you know, it, it, it's an all day subject we could talk about. Sure. But you know, I I agree with uh, Jackal. Jackal made a uh, comment in the chat room a little bit ago mm-hmm. that after a certain age. Mm-hmm. In in as far as bands go, you you need to just stop with the videos. Well, I agree with that. Yeah, you know, I I don't know what that age is, but you need to stop with the videos. But they all is it me or do they all like slow down and soften their sound? Well, they do because because they have to adjust to their capabilities. Which I understand the slow down part of it, or even the down tune part of it. But I never understand why they soften their sound. Why do bands that used to kick ass, like, rework their shit with keyboards and make it softer? Mm, I don't know. Like, you know, they they, they got out of it now. They, they're back out of it now. But Scorpions did that for a minute. Yeah. Where they were doing a lot of keyboard shit on, like, old songs. And then it, and it, it was awful live. I, I remember the the one tour I saw with when it was at Blossom when they were with Motley Crue, and they had like keyboards in like blackout, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Maybe maybe they were just trying to make the sound fuller or something. Yeah, but it, it just made them sound like you know the gay version of the Scorpions, <laughs> or maybe they were just trying to add a more up to date sound maybe keyboards at the time were kind of popular i get i don't know maybe they just, were just trying to stay relevant or something it's like you know what play your shit as heavy as it was in the day and once you can't do that anymore retire stop dragging the fucking corpse of your legacy around with you it does you no favors yeah yeah, you know, even scorpions who are still from I haven't seen them in a while, but I know you have. And you I said saw them, they were f- absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, but they could stop releasing records. Yeah, I agree. They haven't put out a good record, a really good record in a long time. That is true. I mean, what's the last really good record they put out? Savage Amusement, probably. Was was Crazy World after that, or before that? I can't remember. You know, because I liked Crazy World. I don't think it was awesome. Savage Amusement was pretty great. I mean, that's a keyboard record, if ever there was one. But, you know, that that record was okay. But they haven't, I mean, especially the stuff that they've done the last few records, I mean, were not, they're all right. They sure didn't need to reissue the one that they just did with, like, 50 bonus tracks. (laughs) What was that about? Let me let me find it real quick. The, was it called Sting of the Tail yeah, or I think something? It's Sting of the Tail, yeah. Yeah, they was they that? like reissued it with like extensive bonus stuff. It's like who's clamoring for that shit? No, Return to Forever. Return to Forever was the one. Yeah, Sting of the Tail was the one before that. I think that was like 2010 or something. Yeah, let me see the deluxe edition. No, it was the U.S. Yeah, look, they they reissued it with seven extra tracks. Who the fuck needs that? Well, that's that's better than having to release an entire new record. You know, they they probably, you know, recorded those seven extra tracks during, you know, the original recording, and they had them laying around, and they go, okay, well, we'll just re-release this with all the stuff that we didn't make the cut the first time. 
Yeah, we'll just fuck our fans by having to buy the record twice. Right. Yeah, nah, pass. But but looking at their I'm looking at their catalog now. From Savage Amusement was 88. Now listen to the records that have come since 88. You tell me that they needed to keep releasing records. You got Crazy World, Face the Heat, Pure Instinct, Eye to Eye, Unbreakable, Humanity Hour 1, Sting of the Tail, and Return to Forever. There might be six good songs if you took them out of all of those records. Mm -hmm. That's not a really strong collection. No. But again, this goes back to a question about you know, the popularity of certain releases, if there was still a commercial outlet like an MTV or even commercial radio that would have played those records and mm-hmm. made some of the songs on those records a quote-unquote a classic hit, mm-hmm. would that have made a difference? Well, they had a couple hits on those that I read. Well, like were they Alien hit? Nation. Yeah, but they weren't hits. Alien Nation was a hit, No, 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 it? no. I'm talking about the later stuff. Oh, you know, not not from the eighties. I'm talking about the like later. The re- yeah, yeah. If yeah, if yeah. there was still an outlet like an MTV or like I said, commercial radio or something that popularized those songs, right? Would that have made a difference? Not to me, because they're still not that good of songs. I don't care. Well, what the but the thing likes. is, is again, if it was drummed into your head and say you listened to commercial radio. It would have made a difference. Say, oh, that's Scorpion. Oh, that's a new one from the Scorpion. Not saying, no, this was the greatest shit they ever made. But my point is, is would have raised it in your consciousness that this was worth giving it a listen? I am the worst one in the world to ask that because I generally hate radio songs. Well, I know. But my point is, is that's how we even got to know any of our favorite bands. We didn't discover them on the indie circuit. We no, discovered no, no. them because you, you we heard right. it on the radio. Yeah, but you had to hear a good one. You know, I mean, we've heard a million bands that, that we heard one song from them and it sucked and then we never heard from them again. Yeah, but these guys had a long career due to something. Oh, sure. I'm not saying that they do. What I'm saying is if the first song that I ever heard from, if if I only heard Still Loving You or Winds of Change, if the first two songs I heard from the Scorpions were Still Loving You and Winds of Change, I would have never become a fan. Mm-hmm. I would have never owned a record because I hate those songs and I hated them when they came out. You know, that that would have been it for me. Two bad songs? Fuck you, pal. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, that dude, they're putting in the perfect band right now, Anvil. Do you like Anvil? Not really. Yeah, I don't like them at all either, but... Mm-mm. I mean, I heard the one song, uh, Metal on Metal. Yeah. I remember that a million years ago. And I, and then I, I bought that record. And guess what? It was shit. And I never bought another one after it. Right. Because they just stink. Mm-hmm. Nice guys, but their music sucks. Right. They're like Thrust. <laughs> they're, one thrust. Step, they're, they're, they're one step above Thrust because at least you know one song. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not not a big fan of the Anvil. No, I'm not either. But I I, I felt I felt bad for him in their movie. Yeah, you know the guy delivering lunches. Yeah, he's got a lunch truck. Yeah, well, 
Now, did you see Lips? Um, Lips put out some statement that all that you know people from America are lazy. <laughs> okay. People from America are lazy, and they just all want to be on welfare. <laughs> it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Sabotaging the last the last few people that'll come to see your fucking show. Exactly. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, just, but that's one of those bands. Just not a fan. Now, if 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 I would have heard other songs, do you you know would I have thought that they were any better? I doubt it because I've heard all of it and it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, dude, take a band like Helix. You know, I'm, there's there's a lot of people that love that band. I don't happen to be one of them. But then again, the first things that I heard from them, I didn't like very much, and then I never grew back to them. You know, so I I think I think to your point. Radio doesn't always determine. That is true. That's true. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's helpful that you hear the band, but if you hear the band and it's a, and it's a suck song, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm a I'm a Billy Squire fan. You know, I'm, I'm going off the rails with this, but I like Billy Squire. But if the first song I ever heard from Billy Squire was "Rock Me Tonight." <laughs> I would have never been a Billy Squire fan. Yeah, you go. What kind of gay shit is this? Yeah, I would have been like, "Fuck this!" You know, there's no way would I have heard any other stuff. There's no way would I have gone back and picked up "Don't Say No" and figured out how great of an album that was. Right. Because I'd have been like, "This is faggot music. I'm not listening to this." Next, <laughs> you know. Well, and that was the radio. The radio pushed the shit out of that song. They did. Didn't I bet that didn't sell them much? You think it did? Hard to say. I mean, I, I I know a little bit about Billy Squire. I mean, obviously, I know the hits like The Stroke. Yeah, Stroke. Uh, oh, my kind of lover. Yeah. You know, Lonely as the Night. Emotions. Yeah, Emotions in Motion. Right. You know. Yeah, we all know the hits, but you know, he had one good. He's another one. Had one good al- One good album. And that's uh, Don't Say No. Right. That album kicks ass. Great guitar work in that one. And then everything else was like softer versions and softer versions. Well, how about another guy, since we're talking music and are, are all over the map? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Here, here's a here's another guy who, who was on the tour circuit all the time mm-hmm. and made his career on a live album. Okay. Peter Frampton. Yeah. It really didn't have much of a career except that album. That's my point. So, strangely enough, he didn't make his career on studio recordings, even though, obviously, the live album is made up of studio recordings. Sure. But the popularity of Peter Frampton came from Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah. And I don't think many people even like any of the <laughs> of the non-studio or the non-live tracks. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. I. I mean... He had he had one song, Frampton had one song that I liked that was not on Frampton Comes Alive. And that's a, a song called Lying, which was out in the God, maybe nineteen ninety or something. Okay, I think we actually played that one other time. Yeah. It, it's like the only song that's not on Frampton Comes Alive. And it, it, even now, like if I'm listening to like some classic rock or something, or like on Pandora, Pandora does this a lot with Frampton. If Pandora goes and plays like 
the studio version of Baby I Love Your Way. Is is that the name of the song? Ooh, baby, I love your yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they play the studio version of this of that song, I constantly am like, what is this? Yeah. Sounds familiar. And then I figure it out. It's just the version I don't know. Sure. Because I never owned a single Peter Frampton record except for Frampton Comes Alive. Of course. You know, and, and even the, um, the what, what's the name of the big song? Do You Feel Like We Do? Mm-hmm. Hearing the four-minute version of that, that just sounds like it's, like, cut off halfway through. Exactly. Doesn't even sound real. You know? But, Frampton, but he's unique to that, though. Yeah. Well, again, that that is one of those weird things. I mean, he's made his entire career off that double live yeah. set because... Studio wise, I know that he's released a bunch of studio, you know, albums. But do you know anybody who's bought those? I don't know. I I couldn't. I couldn't name one. I can't name a single studio album that Peter Frampton has. Mm-mm. Let me look them up. I've seen. I've seen Peter Frampton a half a dozen times. Me too. But uh, as far as knowing any of his catalog outside of Frampton Comes Alive, couldn't tell you. I consider myself to be a a Peter Frampton fan, and I don't think I've ever owned anything but Frampton Comes Alive. Mm -hmm. All right. You want the list of his albums? Yeah, go ahead. See if you've ever heard of any of these. Wind of Change. That's the Scorpions, right? (laughs) Maybe. That's 72. Right. Frampton's Camel. Mm-mm. What a name for an album? Frampton's Camel. Something's Happening? Nope. Then Frampton. And then, of course, Frampton Comes Alive. Mm-hmm. So then I'll, I'll I'll read the rest of them, and you won't know any of these. I'm in you. I know that song. I'm in you. Mm-hmm. You're me. Exactly. Uh, where I Should Be. Rise Up. Breaking All the Rules. The Art of Control, Premonition, and I'm pretty sure Premonition is the one that has Lion on it. That's the only one I think I ever owned. I'm going to take back what I said before. I did own that. Um, When All the Pieces Fit, another one called Peter Frampton. Oh, the other, the first one was just called Frampton. This one's called Peter Frampton. (laughs) Frampton Comes Alive 2. Yeah. (laughs) Now fingerprints thank you mr churchill hummingbird in a box and acoustic classics did you ever own any of those not a one did you own for that comes alive yeah i got that i got that both on uh vinyl and on uh cd <laughs> that's so funny dude is there anybody else that has done that i don't think so no he is the one guy well, it's always got to be one, I guess. <laughs> but somehow he sustained his whole career. Yeah, off that one live record. Boy, talk about limiting your career. It's not even like he could go out and say, yeah, I'm going to play this whole album in its entirety. Because <laughs> he does. Because, every single every single tour. Yeah. All he does is plays Framp that comes alive in its entirety. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well. Sucks for him. Yeah, it's kind of an oddball thing, but he's still he's still out there playing and still, you know, plays on package tours and things. Yeah. 
He's still out there. He looks like a grandfather. Yeah, he does. He looks really old. And it's weird because he looked so young on the only album that I ever had from 1976. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so young. <laughs> well, you know what? You, and, I, and I can tell you the popularity mm-hmm. of of that Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah. I want you to look up something. Okay. Uh, you know, I've been trying to land a interview with uh, Michelle Kath, the daughter of, of Terry Kath, the, you know, the founding guitarist of the band Chicago, since we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Well, you know, her father uh, died in a, in a gun accident. Right. Well, they had to replace him since they chose to carry on because they actually were going to break the band up, but then they, you know, decided that they were going to continue Boy, that was a billion dollars in the right right way decision, wasn't yeah. it? To keep going? Actually, actually, Doc Severinsen of Johnny Carson's band actually convinced them that they should continue. Okay. But they needed a replacement guitarist. Yeah. So they wanted to get a guy that had, you know, not only could play guitar, but also had image. Right. And I want you to look up this photo. Look up Chicago 13 press photo let's see chicago 13. and 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 th- this is just to go show you how popular frampton or what an impact frampton made with that live album oh i looked up that and all i get is criminal shit chicago 13 yeah because all it is is like a bunch of a bunch of obama people oh what what, what is that xiii yeah let me try that x oh not z dickhead X I I I. Chicago. All right, there's the album cover. I'm not finding the press photo though. Do you have it? Uh, let me see if I can this find is. it. The three greatest jazz bands. Bunch of old fucks. <laughs> that that can't be from thirteen because thirteen would have been what in the seventies. Yeah, it was uh seventy nine, I think. All right, this looks like I can't, I don't know if this is Chicago 13 or not. There's a bunch of old guys. No, it's let's see here. I don't know what I'm looking for, so you're going to have to look up. Well, right, let me see if I can find it real quick instead of letting this segment die, but just yeah. just the imagery alone is what I was going for. Okay. Chicago 13 band uh, bu- 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 bu. let me see if images yeah, all I got was a bunch of Obama bullshit uh, well I'll, I'll have to find it and send it to you but anyway their, their guitarist Donnie Dacus the guy that uh, uh, replaced Terry Kath mm-hmm. totally ripped off the whole uh Peter Frampton comes alive. Look <laughs> nice. I mean that, that was the, you know, that was the hot thing at the time. And that's what was the popular. Um, so popular at the, at the moment, at least if sure. I can find it. Well, uh, dude, that, I mean, that album sold what? 20 million. Yeah, copies something like that. Something, sold some ridiculous amount of copies. You know, it, it was crazy how much it actually did sell. Okay, just just look up Donnie Dacus 
uh, Chicago. Oh, there it is. You got it? Yeah, there's a photo. Uh, CD album Chicago 13. In the images. CD album dash Chicago dash Chicago 13. With the numbers? Yeah, just Chicago 1 3. Let's see what comes up here. In the images. Images. Am I looking at the back of our album? Yeah, yeah, the back of the album. Oh, wow. That is Peter Frampton almost. <laughs> I'll put it in the chat room here. Let's see. They, they wanted to, uh, you know, capitalize on the popularity of, you know, what was going on then. Right. So that's that's the look. That is definitely the look. <laughs> So. That's that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. He really went for that look. Holy cow! Let's add it since it won't fucking go the regular way. This way, a pow. There it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, now that doesn't look like a band at all. Looks like a bunch of guys working a gay nightclub. <laughs> well, that that unfortunately was was. At the height of the disco era, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> who's that? Is that who's that on the on the far right? Looks familiar. Who? With the blonde hair on that's, the right. That's Peter Cetera. Is it? Yeah. Wow, that's quite a look he had going there. Yeah, feathered hair. Well, that's <laughs> that was what was popular. That was the seventies. I know. I had my hair the same way in like nineteen eighty four. Hate to admit it, but as a kid, I had that look going. <laughs> Too funny. So, anyway. Audio Base Studios is your one-stop shop for all your recording needs. Whether you're a musical artist, podcaster, want to record an audiobook, or have any other audio or video needs, they can all be met at Audio Bay Studios. Recording is available 24-7 to accommodate your time requirements. Audio Base Studios is conveniently located at 605 Clegg Parkway in Bay Village, Ohio. Visit us online at www.audiobasestudios.com or call us today at 440-539-1150.